Let's open with a word of prayer. Let's dig into the word. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We pray now as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. The words of man are a waste of time. We want the word of God to go forth with power. Give us ears to hear what you would say to each and every one of us. May the teaching ministry of your Holy Spirit be alive and active. We ask these things in your holy and precious name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. So, quick, catch you up. If you haven't been here, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus are called the pastoral epistles. They're letters written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy and Titus, young pastors who had taken over churches that Paul had planted. And so in this case, 1 Timothy, the main focus of 1 Timothy was really just making sure how the church should conduct itself. They were going through some false teachers that had come in and he goes to, and so the whole, the, all of first Timothy is how the church should conduct itself. It said, make it a house of prayer, uh, the ministry of women, who you call into ministry, what their qualifications need to be. And then we get to second Timothy and sometimes you turn a page and you think it's just continuing on, but some time has passed. And now the persecution of the church is at an all time high in the young age of the church. This is at a time when Christians are literally being fed to, to animals, to, to lions, when uh, Christians are being set on fire, covered in pitch and set on fire by Nero. Nero had burned uh, Rome to the, burned Jerusalem to the ground and blinded on the Jews. And so all that the Christians were going through, as far as Rome, Nero, he was just the most, he was a type of the Antichrist. He wanted all Christians dead. And so in the middle of that, Paul is sitting in a cell and he's, going to be beheaded. This is the last, his day, his life's coming to an end. And he writes this letter to Timothy and he doesn't tell Timothy, Hey, it's tough out there. So go hide. He doesn't say, Hey, Timothy. Yeah. You know what? As Christians were facing persecution, the best thing for you to be is to go undercover. Just do it all on live stream or whatever. Right. But, but he told him instead, he exhorted him and encouraged him to take a stand for the Lord, to to stand fast, to remain faithful in the midst of persecution. He encouraged him to stir up his gifts, to not be ashamed of the gospel and to share in the sufferings of Christ. Guys, it's one thing for us to be Christians on the cruise ship when it's popular and everything is going our way. And it's another thing to make a stand for the Lord when it might cost us something. We have no idea what it was like to be a first century uh, Christian. We have no idea what it was like, the persecution, when this letter was being written, that they knew they could die for their faith. We have, we have people today that are afraid to go to church, let alone make a stand for the Lord. And again, if you have a pre-existing condition and want to stay home and watch on live stream, God bless you. We understand that. But you know what? We need to stand for the Lord and be unashamed of the gospel. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And so as we come to chapter 2, uh, I, I, the outline, if you look at it, it's got two sides to it today. Um, I'm going to go over the whole chapter itself just quickly, and then we're just going to dig into the first seven verses. So if you look on the side that says, keep the main thing, the main thing, it's my dad used to always tell me when I was a young pastor, he'd say, he'd say, son, keep the main thing, the main thing. That means preach Jesus Christ and crucified and risen from the dead. Teach the whole counsel of God. Don't apologize for it, but do it in love. Can I get an amen to that? Keep the main thing the main thing. We don't need to get off track. We don't need to look for, for other things to see. By the way, I met a young man yesterday. We were talking, and he found out I was a pastor, and he said, you always the Bible. You really believe in the Bible? I heard that a guy that wrote most of it was in prison. <laughs> I said, that's absolutely true. Do you know why he was in prison? Because he believed in the risen living Savior who had triumphed over sin and death, and he was willing to give his life for Jesus Christ, and he would not water down the gospel. That's why he was in prison. Can I get an amen to that? It wasn't like he, was a, he wasn't a criminal as far as God was concerned. But you know what? We might have to be criminals to make a stand for the Lord if the world tell, outlaws Christianity. Can I get an amen? Or outlaws us getting together. So remain faithful in the midst of difficulty, trials, and persecution. Number one, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Our true source of strength, it's not a positive attitude. It's not determination. But it comes from a proper understanding of God's grace. We are in Christ and all that he has done for us should give us a different perspective on life. Amen? We'll look at that in depth this morning. In the coming weeks, not only be strong in grace, but remember Jesus and all those he died for. Be mindful and hold on to, think about, make mention of. As a man of God, a woman of God, Jesus should always be on your mind. Guys, if you can go a half an hour without thinking about the Lord, you need to get closer to Jesus. Can I get an amen? 
He's always on my on our mind. Should always be on our minds. Why? The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He doesn't take vacations. Amen. Aren't you glad He never leaves you nor forsakes you? Remember Jesus. Remember His promises. Right now, people are panicking because of what's going on in the world around us. Here's the good news: God's in control. He's on the throne. And as we saw a couple weeks ago, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Amen. He's not given us a spirit of cowardice. He's a faithful God. Remember his promises. We can trust in the word of God. He's been faithful to every promise he's made up to today, which you know what that means? He's going to be faithful to all all the promises he's made going forward. Can I get an amen to that? You know what? Politicians make promises and break them. Our God never does. Amen. He's a faithful God. Be a diligent worker in light of what's going on, in light of, the, of all the persecution they were facing. He, he told them to be faithful to their calling. Be a sanctified vessel. Live a life set apart for the glory of the Lord, not for your comfort. We're called to be set apart unto the Lord. And I want to tell you something. There's no more joyous life than walking in the center of God's will. Can I get an amen to that? There's nothing more joyous than knowing the Lord and having intimate fellowship with him. Everything the world has to offer fades. And again, the new car smell wears off. And then finally, be a gentle servant, ministering to others in gentleness with patience and humility. God's called us to be peacemakers, not troublemakers. Amen? So in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about the main things in the midst of persecution, the things that we're continuing to stand for. If you turn your outline over on the other side, you should see what we're going to look at this morning. So this morning in verses 1 through 7, I titled the message, Be Strong in the Grace that is in Christ Jesus. Grace should give us peace. Grace should give us joy. Grace should give us a meaning of life. Grace should help us to not fear because we know that it's God's riches at Christ's expense. He is giving us what we do not deserve. Amen? He's a God of grace and mercy. He doesn't give us what we do deserve, and he gives us things that we don't deserve. Amen? And he's a faithful and a gracious God. And we're going to see in just these short seven verses how to persevere in the face of great opposition. And he's going to give us four attributes of walking in God's grace. Four different examples in Scripture that, were, that apply to all of our lives. My prayer always, here's my prayer when I, as I study all week. to to minister to you guys, to share the word of God with you. My prayer is that you understand the word of God better and you go out of here wanting to live better. Can I get an amen to that? To live in the center of God's will. What does it say? What does it mean? And how does it apply to my life? So when I would go to India and teach a thousand pastors at a time how to study the Bible, we would talk about observation. What does it say? Interpretation. What does it mean? Application. How does it apply to your life? And usually when I do the outlines, I make them applicational. Because guys, if we just come here and we just get fed, but we don't change. If Monday doesn't change, Sunday doesn't count. Can I get an amen? There needs to be a transformation. God doing a work in our lives. We should desire to be closer to the Lord every day. My pr- I've been, a, I've been a, a pastor for 32 years, and I've been a, uh, a Christian for 52 years. Got saved in Mrs. Green's Sunday school class. And you know what? My prayer is that I'm closer to the Lord tomorrow than I've ever been. Amen? And that should be our heart. We shouldn't be satisfied where we are spiritually. So he's going to give us some examples. Remember, Paul's sitting in a cave. He's awaiting his soon death. I don't know that he positively knew it was coming, but I think he did. He knew it was possible and Nero hated Christians and he wanted to get rid of them. And Paul was the Christian of all Christians at that time. And so he knew his life was coming to an end. And again, he's writing him, giving him examples for us as Christians to follow. That doesn't just apply to the church in the first century church, but applies to Calvary Chapel, Calabasas in 2020. Amen. Now, let's go through this quickly and we'll dig into the text. Here are the four examples. A teacher. A teacher. What does a teacher do? A teacher takes knowledge and gives it to others. In a sense, a teacher, in a way, makes disciples. A disciple is a learner. So a teacher teaches people so that they may grow in their knowledge. Well, as Christians, we're called to make disciples. Go therefore into all the world, right? Making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So God didn't just call us so we get saved and we sit on the sideline, but we're called to give uh, our knowledge away, point people to the word of God, and to minister to them. So we need to give ministry away. We need to give people an opportunity and exhort them and encourage them and help equip them in their walk with the Lord. Number two, a soldier. 
Soldiers focused on the task at hand. I wrote one of the verses here in the outline. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. You never see a soldier fighting a battle in World War II worrying about his uh, kitchen being remodeled back in Nebraska. He doesn't even think about what's going on because at that moment, he's in the midst of a battle. And when you're in the midst of a battle, you have to be singular in your focus. You have to be listening to commanding officer. You need to, to go where you need to go and be where you need to be and do the right thing. Or if not, you may all be defeated. And as Christians, we need to be single-minded. Now, that being said, we still go to work. Most of you guys know I have a full-time job. I've worked for the same company for the whole time I've been a pastor. And you know what? That's my mission field. And I look at every, every day I go to work as an opportunity to point people to Jesus. So again, you could still go to work and still be single-minded and still do everything in light of the scripture and in light of walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, in light of the fact that you have a calling on your life. When you show up at work, the Holy Spirit just entered the building. When you're walking around the neighborhood, uh, I started doing this thing, I'm walking five miles a day. When you go out and you walk, guess what? You're bringing the Holy Spirit with you, amen? And divine appointments along the way. I was sitting studying yesterday and someone came and tapped on my window, saw the Calvary Chapel sticker on the back of my car because I study my car often. Hey, are you the pastor at Calvary Chapel? Yeah, I am actually. Divine appointments, can I get an amen? You just walk around and God will bring people into your path and give you an opportunity to speak into people's lives. So a teacher, a soldier, an athlete. You know, athletes don't train to come in second. Did you know that? I played football through college and, you know, I would get up at four o'clock in the morning and run the hill out in front of my house. And I had a membership at a gym that 24 hour membership and they gave me a key and I'd go down and work it out at two o'clock in the morning. And, you know, my focus was I'm going to work out more than that guy I'm lining up against on, on Saturday. And my whole focus at the time as a young man was I'm, I'm in this to win. I don't train so I can lose. I don't train so I can come in second place. Well, for Christians, we, the battle has already been won and the battle belongs to the Lord. But we are still to live every day to, 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 to the fullest for the kingdom of God. We don't give God half. Amen? We need to give God all that we have and do everything that we do to the best of our ability. Even though we know that we can do nothing without him. You know, the, when you run a race or when you are playing athletics, you cannot win if you don't obey the rules. We're going to see that in today's text. And God's given us his word for a reason. And the word of God will help us to run the race well. And then finally, a farmer. And oddly enough, I think out of all four of these, the one that speaks to me most is the farmer. Because what I love about the farmer is he's hardworking and patient. Anybody ever, ever struggle with patience besides me? Can, does anybody in the world have to be more patient than a farmer? You put seed in the ground, you dig up rows, you're out there sweating from sunup to sundown in hopes that something will grow. And then when it does, you need to hope that the weather doesn't wipe out what you've worked on for six months. And the thing I love about the farmer is when the farmer is working, nobody's watching. A lot of times, you know, the athlete's running through a stadium and 50,000 people may be cheering for him. You know, the, the, the teacher has an audience and, and, and again, when you're fighting in a battle, you got people alongside you. But the farmer, you know, he's doing it in anonymity. And, you know, character is who you are when no one is watching. Amen? If that farmer doesn't get up early at 5 o'clock and go milk the cows and go take care of everything and get the stuff planted and make sure it's watered. And he has to do all that when nobody's watching. And if he doesn't, there will be no fruit. Amen? There'll be no crop. And guys, so much of what we need to do to grow spiritually is stuff that takes place when no one else is watching. What's your prayer life like? How much time do you spend in the word when you're not sitting here? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we need more of God's word. So let's begin there looking at be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul sitting in prison. Yes, he was in prison. That encourages me, doesn't discourage me one bit. Can I get an amen to that? And he was willing to die for his faith if necessary. Now, as he writes this to Timothy, just be reminded that he tells him 25 times in these letters to Timothy, he makes reference to not being afraid. And part of the reason for that is we know that Timothy struggled with fear and he struggled with being timid sometimes. Can anybody relate to that? Okay. So 
nothing wrong with you struggling with that. But the good news is God has given us the Holy Spirit so you can overcome that. Amen? Again, he hasn't given us a spirit of fear or timidity. We're not supposed to be timid when it comes to the Lord. And so Timothy is this timid guy. We know in the, in the beginning of chapter of 1 Timothy 1, he told him to stay. Because it's possible that Timothy was ready to quit. You know, if they're gonna, but they're going to maybe take your life. And hey, there's all this strife going on. A lot of people are abandoning. You know, when they, when they come in and threaten to kill all the Christians, a lot of people all of a sudden aren't sure if they're Christians or not anymore. And a lot of people are walking away. So as he's writing this letter, he's writing to a man who had wanted to quit at one point, who's struggling with fear, struggling with timidity. Guys, that sounds like what we're going through as a church in in the United States today. Amen? I still get people, someone blasted me yesterday online. I can't believe you're having church. I can't believe you're not wearing masks. I can't believe you're doing this. I just write back, I'm doing it because God commands it, and I'm more concerned about people's eternity and whether or not they get this disease. Now, look, I don't want anybody to get sick, and I pray that nobody gets sick, but let me just say this. The worst thing the world can do to us is the best thing can happen to us, and we're not to walk in fear. Amen? And we're not to stop studying the Word of God, and we're not to set the Word of God aside, and we're not to stop fellowshipping because we're worried. People met when leprosy was around. Can I get an Amen. People had, and again, if you if you're someone who's susceptible and you're concerned about your health, then watch on live stream. I'm okay with that. I get it, but we should not restrict what really matters in this life, and that's ministering to the spiritual needs of people as well. Amen. You know what's worse than COVID? Eternity separated from Almighty God. Amen. So let's begin there. As he continues, here's Paul sitting in a jail cell. It's cold there, we know. He's writing this letter to his son in the faith. He knows his days are numbered. You therefore, my son. You therefore, my son. We always ask when it's therefore, what's it? What's it therefore? So in light of everything I just told you, here's how you should respond. In light of the fact that in the previous chapter, he had told him to stir up the gift that was within him, to, to not be fearful because God has not given us a spirit of fear. To not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. To share in the sufferings of the gospel. And to hold fast to the word of God. And in light of that fact, he knew that some had turned away. And he says, in light of all those things that he's exhorted you to do. To stir up your gifts. To not be fearful. To not be ashamed. To share in the sufferings of Christ. To hold fast to the word of God. In light of that, what does he say? Now notice, he first he refers to him as my son. We know that Paul is not his biological father, but in a sense, he's his father in the faith. And you know what? We all should have sons and daughters and mothers and fathers in the faith in a sense. Amen. And what that means is you should have people who are pouring into your life and people whose lives you are pouring into. And I think one of the biggest struggles in the church today is we have a lot of people that are just sitting on the sideline. I've shared this with you before, so I'll share it again. But back, I don't remember when it was, back in the early 90s, I think it was, uh, back in the Promise Keeper days, there was a Promise Keeper event at the LA Coliseum. There was a hundred and something thousand guys there. Worship was amazing. It was, it was incredible. But one of the pastors got up and he said, I want you to get in a group of six or seven people you've never met and ask them this question. Who are you discipling and who's discipling you? Who are you discipling and who's discipling you? I was a young man in my early 20s, and in my group, my father was with me, but we went around, and everybody else said, nobody, 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 nobody. I would ask that same question of us. Who's, who are you discipling, and who's discipling you? And the way, you know, right now, I'm, by the grace of God, I'm thankful that I'm discipling quite a few people, and I have people that are still discipling me. I have pastors that I call when I have questions or concerns, people that I consider, you know, my dad's now in heaven. He was the one that discipled me the most, but I have other pastors that I call. If I'm digging through a difficult text or I'm going, I have a tough decision to make, or I just need some, I need someone to pray with me. There's still those guys. I pick up the phone and I call them. And so Paul viewed Timothy as his son in the faith. Timothy had gotten saved when Paul, I believe in Lystra, and when, when Timothy got saved, he began to hang out with Paul and went with him on his second missionary journey, and he learned from Paul, and Paul poured into his life. And guys, we need to be pouring into the lives of others, and, and moms and dads, it starts at home. We should be discipling our kids, amen? We should be living, at, living it out in front of them and teaching them the truth. I love the relation, the discipleship relationship between Paul and Timothy, and I'm thankful that I have people like that in my life. I feel like the one, one of the 
things that is my priority is I'm to disciple the assistant pastors. They're all spiritually mature men, but I still pour into their lives. Just like every time I was an assistant, my pastor poured into my life. And we need to give ministry away. We need to help people grow in their relationship with the Lord. And so in light of God's calling on your life, the falling away of many from the faith, he would say, you therefore, my precious son in the faith, here's my counsel to you. Run and hide until it's all over. No, that's not what he says. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Man, do I love that. As Christians, you know what? The word is used, it's meek. And they say, you know, they say that Jesus was meek. And it says in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Be meek. And we think of that as being weak. Meek is not weak. Meek, meek is strength under control of the master. I love the example that I heard someone use. It's like those Clydesdale horses that they use in the beer commercials. Those are the biggest horses around. And I'll tell you what, they're under the control of the master, but they're certainly not weak. Can I get an amen? And as Christians, we are not called to be weak. We're called to be submitted to the Lord and under the control of our master. And he says, be strong in the grace. Again, the source of his strength was not his self-image. It wasn't a positive mental attitude. It wasn't pulling himself up by the bootstraps. I've shared this before as well. Uh, years ago, I, I, I still, same company, I sell advertising for a living, most of you know that. And we had this guest speaker up in San Jose. What a train wreck. But the guy came in and he spoke at one of our sales meetings. And he was this rah-rah guy to get us to all have a better self-image. And I wanted to say, no, we're all a bunch of stinking ball sinners in need of a savior. So amen. Can I get him into that? About three people said amen. The rest of you think you're better than that. But here's, here's what he said, though. This guy gets up there and he said, I want you all to stand up. And I want you to say this 10 times. I sizzle with power and enthusiasm. I sizzle with power and enthusiasm. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And so he keeps saying it. By the way, he's cursing every other word. He was a pretty foul guy. We need, to pray, we need to pray for his salvation. But he said, I want you to get up every morning and look in the mirror and say, I sizzle with power and enthusiasm. I want to talk myself into it. And I have to commit, confess, I was in the back of the room thinking, bro, if you don't get saved, there's going to be some sizzling, but no power and no enthusiasm. Can I get an Amen. The reality is that we don't convince ourselves to have a better self-image. We need to look at who we are in the eyes of our Savior. And recognize that Jesus loved us so much, he'd rather die than live without you. How do you term, determine the value of something what someone is willing to pay? How much did Jesus pay so that you and I could have eternal life? How much did he pay so all of our sins could be forgiven and we could be redeemed and we could take his name, Christian? He suffered and died on the cross of Calvary. I don't look in the mirror and say, I sizzle with power and enthusiasm. I look in the mirror and I say, thank you, Lord, for your grace that I've been blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, enlightened, insured. I thank you, Lord, you filled me with your Holy Spirit. I have the promise of eternal life and I'm going to heaven even though I don't deserve it. Can I get an amen? amen? And so he's telling him, it's not your self-image you need to work on. Be strong, not in your, you know, how much you can bench press or, or how athletic you are or, or how, how well-versed you are or how charismatic you are. He said, be strong in the grace of God. Because guys, our source of strength is, is nothing else but God's grace being poured out upon us. Amen? In our weakness, his strength is made perfect. Amen? There needs to be less of us and more of him. The word be strong, one of 20 times Paul encouraged Timothy to be strong and endure the work in Ephesus. Repeated exhortations to be strong is again a reflection of how timid Timothy was and the ease with which he was discouraged. Paul would say to Timothy, son, you are weak but God is strong. Rest in his strength and he will enable you to do great things. If you're here today and you just feel like, well, I don't have the personality to serve God or I, maybe I don't have the background to serve God or I just get, I, I get too afraid or I get to Guys, we all deal with that. But that's why we need the Lord, amen? Because if we do it in our own strength, it's a waste of time. We need to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. The grace of God being poured out upon us that he might speak through us. The word for encouragement should encourage all of us this morning. Here's a few things it says about God's grace. 
The gospel has been rightly called the gospel of grace. It should be. You're saved by grace. Did you know that? It says in Ephesians 2, For by grace you've been saved through faith. You are supplied by God's grace. It says in Philippians 4, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You are served by God's grace. It says in 2 Corinthians, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have abundance for every good work. And here's the greatest news. God's grace is sufficient for you. And he said, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So you feel like you're too weak. You know who else felt like he was weak? Moses. You ever heard of Moses? Was he used mildly by God? God used him to pen the first five books of the Bible. He gave him the Ten Commandments. He went and got to see the backside of the Lord and was glowing in the dark for Jesus. Can I get an amen? And when he was approached in the fiery, you know, the burning bush, Moses was called by God to be the deliverer of the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a stud or I can't do it. Guys, it's not our deficiencies that make us unusable by God. It's the fact where we think we're sufficient enough that we don't need them that makes us unusable by God. And God takes the, the weak and the weary. He takes the lesser things to do great things. It says in Isaiah, he gives us power. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Guys, when we wait upon the Lord, he strengthens us. Amen? I want to encourage you. I don't know how you can do it. How do you get up in the morning and walk out the door without having spent some time with the Lord first? Because that's our source of strength, not looking in the mirror and saying, I sizzle with power and enthusiasm. Amen? It's spending time in the presence of the Lord and being strengthened by him so we may go out and walk in the power of his might. Amen? And we can live a life that will impact the world around us for his glory. He, doesn't say, he says, be strong. He doesn't say be invested with power as you abide in Christ. It's, I mean, literally, it says be invested with power. That's what he's saying. Be invested with power. Be strong. Be powerful in the Lord. God makes his resource of strength available to us, but just he will not, for, but he will not force it upon us, just as he will not for, force salvation upon us. If you're spiritually weak, that's not, your, that's not God's fault. That's your fault. Amen? Amen? If you're weak in your faith, that is your fault. Fear, anxiety, and worry are all the opposite of faith. If you struggle with fear, and we all do at times, it's because we've taken our eyes off the greatness of the God that we serve. Amen? If you're anxious, you're concerned that God's not going to show up, and he already promised that he would. All right? If you're faithless, if you're afraid of stepping out, and again, that's our fault. We're as close to God as we want to be. And you know how you get closer to anybody? You spend time with them. Amen? And the more time you spend with them, the closer you get to them. And in the Lord's case, the more we become like him. And so before we start our day, if we want to start our day strengthened by the Lord, we need to begin our day in the presence of Almighty God. In our weakness, he is made strong. He brings his strength to us as we seek him and rely on him instead of our own strength. My, my strength, my grace is sufficient for my strength is made perfect in weakness. If you're sitting here today saying, I can't do it, here's the, here's the truth. You're right, you can't. In our own strength, we can do nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? Be strong, realize you can't do it. Trust God and step out in faith. Respond in faithful obedience to the calling he's placed upon your life. God enables, but we must step out. Be strong in his grace. And I want to tell you something. We need to stay humble, broken, and desperate to be usable by God. When you start to think that somehow you're so gifted that God needs you, you've missed it. We, we need to stay in that place of humility before him. None of us can do anything fruitful apart from his grace. Verse 2. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, these things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. There's a couple different ways that could be interpreted, a couple possible interpretations. The doctrines Paul had preached publicly. Timothy had been with him. Timothy had stood on the sidelines and heard him teach, had walked with him on the second missionary journey. He heard what he taught boldly. That certainly could be a reference to it. 
He'd heard him speak in many places to many people, but also could be a reference to when he delivered Timothy, when Timothy was ordained into ministry, he laid hands on him in front of many witnesses and he spoke into his life. I truly believe it's both because he heard, he heard Paul speaking with boldness in front of crowds and that he was being taught at the same time. And then when he was commissioned to basically go out and be a pastor of a church, Paul spoke into his life. And Paul's saying, all those things you've heard me say in front of many witnesses, whether it was the crowd in Lystra or the crowd in Ephesus or whatever city we went to, or what I also spoke to you in front of many witnesses, you need to take those things and commit these things to faithful men who will teach them. What's important is that we not just learn it, but that we teach it to others. Amen? So the first thing we see here in this verse is the teacher. Teacher, not just having heard of and having some level of knowledge of the truth, but having learned it to the point where you not only apply it to your life, but knowing well enough to teach others. I say often that God made me a pastor because he knew I needed to be in the Bible 30 to 40 hours a week. Because reality is Sundays and Thursdays come real regular around here. Can I get an Amen. And, and I need to be prepared. So you know what that does? That drives me to the word, drives me to the word. And the person that grows, that I think is blessed the most is the one who studies to teach. Because you get it for an hour and I might get it for 20. Amen? And so what happens though is if you have to teach it to others, you better really understand it. Can I get an amen to that? If you just read through a verse and you blow by it, and I don't really get what that means, but that's okay. I can't blow by any verses and say, I don't know what that means. I have to at least dig into it and, and, you know, take time to spin in scripture and find out what it means. Because if I don't want, you know, it's an old saying, I love it. A mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pews. If, if I just have a little bit of a misunderstanding, you're going to walk around walk away from here going, what in the world did that mean? And you know what? I teach the way I like to be taught. I'm pretty direct. I think you guys have figured that out, right? And I'm pretty exhortive because I like to be exhorted. Amen. And so a teacher is somebody who not only, under, not only has read it, but understands it well enough to impart it to other people. So as Christians, we should know the Bible well enough that we can share it with somebody else. Can I get an amen to that? It's not good enough just to read it and have a, a rough understanding of it, but to know it well enough that if you run into somebody in the parking lot or if you're, you know, have a divine appointment somewhere that you can take people to the word of God and you can't speak to what the word of God says. Amen. We need to know just, we, it, we need to know the book and we need to know the author. Amen. Success of ministry. Pastor Don McClure used to tell me all the time is how it functions when you're not there. How do you know the ministry you're, you're overseeing, whether you have a ministry of any kind, if you, if you don't show up, does it stop? If you don't show up and it stops, you failed. Amen. Because what should be happening, you should be giving ministry away and teaching others and giving them the opportunity to grow in their gift so that if you get hit by a bus, nothing changes. You're in heaven and the ministry just keeps going. Amen? And there's a tragedy today. I know this happens all the time. A pastor will leave a church or will have to step down for whatever reason, and the church will spend four years looking for another pastor. And you know what I say? That pastor has failed. Amen? Because if you're discipling... If I get hit by a bus tomorrow, who's pastoring the church? Joshua. Joshua. You all know that. You all know that. Joshua keeps pushing back, but that's it. He's in. <laughs> Point I'm making though is, but I pour into his life and I give him teaching opportunities. The same with Doug and Tim. We want, we want to give ministry away and let people grow in their gifting so that if something happens to us, the ministry continues. The ministry is not built on us. It's built on the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Amen? If you were here last Thursday and the Sunday, but Nathalie led worship. I love seeing young people use their gifts. Can I get an amen to that? And she's very gifted. And there was a bunch of teenagers. We had the youth group up here last week doing worship with, with Nathalie. And guys, we should be giving ministry away. Amen. And sadly, what happens, a lot of people hold on to it. So what does a teacher do? A teacher needs to know it well enough to be able to disciple others, to be able to teach it to others, not just understand it, but teach others. And as Christians, we are called to make disciples and to give ministry away. Notice it says, commit these to faithful men. 
People who are faithful to the word, people who are dependable and trustworthy. It doesn't say the most talented men or the most outgoing men or the most dynamic or charismatic or good looking. Praise God for that or I wouldn't be up here. But the reality is that God's just looking for men and women who are available, who are faithful, who are willing to be used for the kingdom of God. Don't raise your hand unless you mean it. How many of you are truly willing to be used for the kingdom of God? Amen? I want to encourage you. If that's true, then take the steps to be more efficient at doing it. Amen? Spend more time with the Lord. Because you know what? The more time you spend with him, the more you're going to love him and the more you're going to want to tell everybody about him. The word faithful there means to learn the word to the point where you can pass it on. What was Timothy to pass on? The things he heard from Paul. We're to take what we have been taught from the word and give it to others. And by the way, don't give them your opinion because no, your opinion doesn't matter. Give them the word of God. Amen? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So who is he committed to? To faithful men, men who are dependable, trustworthy, men of the word would require Timothy as a pastor to invest time with these men. And again, when you do things for the Lord, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your time. You're going to have to set aside other things that are priorities to you right now. So you can do things that will impact eternity. When this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. There's nothing wrong with having hobbies. There's nothing wrong with Doing things that are fun, of course not. Can we want to have life and life more abundant? But there may be times you have to let some of that go. A man is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Amen? Giving away something that you cannot keep to gain something you cannot lose is truly wisdom. And Timothy would have to find those who were dependable. He'd have to pour his life into them, raise them up, so that they too could be faithful to teach the word. Why was he to pass it on to them so they would be able to teach others? If how many of you guys were how many of you how many here were saved at a crusade of some kind? One person. So if we're just we're, if we're just wait, waiting for the evangelist to teach everybody, we're in trouble. Can I get an amen? Praise God for evangelistic outreaches. Amen. But I got saved in a Sunday school class, and most of us got saved because someone else shared their faith with us. Maybe heard someone on the radio, but Somebody was being faithful to use their gifts to speak into our lives so that we might come to know Christ. Amen? So if we keep our gifts to ourselves, we're keeping from delivering the message that everybody needs to hear. God gave ministry to Timothy not for him to keep, but for him to pass it on to others. So too for each of us, not just pastors, God has called each of us to make disciples. An essential part of Timothy's work was to give ministry away. All of us who are involved in ministry should be giving it away. If you're in children's ministry, you should be raising up others and showing them how to do it. If, if, you're, if you do the audiovisual, teach others how to do it. If you're on the worship team, teach others how to do it. However you're serving, whatever way you serve, the Gideons are always raising people up, aren't you? Right? Because you got to give ministry away. Because one of these days, you know, we're all going to go to heaven and we need to let, let that ministry continue after we've gone to heaven. Amen shouldn't die with us. If it dies with us, we haven't discipled people and we've failed. So point number one, they're a teacher. One who disciples others gives ministry away. Number two, a good soldier. Look at verse three. You, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardship. I didn't come to church for that. I thought this was the cruise ship to heaven church. I thought this was the get out of hell free card church. I thought this was pray a prayer, walk an aisle, get my name written in the Lamb's book of life and go live like the world for the next 50 years and get heaven at the end church. Wrong church. We will endure hardship if we stand for the Lord. If you make a stand for the Lord, you could lose your job. If you make a stand for the Lord, you might lose some friendships. Now, don't be a jerk. Don't be self-righteous. Be kind, be loving, be gracious, but stand up for the truth of God's word. You know what the world needs right now? They need Jesus. The world needs Jesus. The answer is Jesus. The meaning of life is Jesus. The reason we live and move and breathe is because of Jesus. Can I get an amen? And the only hope when you stand before God on judgment day is Jesus. And nothing, you know, and I've been told many times, you guys act like Jesus is all that matters. I say amen, amen, and amen. And guys, we, how much time are you spending with the Lord? How much time do you spend in his presence? How much time do you spend in prayer? I love to tell people about my family because I love my family. I love to introduce my wife to people. 
I, I outkick my coverage. Can I get an amen? Way too pretty for me. But the reality is, I love to introduce her to people because I love my wife. You know what? You know who I love more than my wife? I love my Savior. And I love to introduce him to people. Unlike my wife, they can't marry her. She's taken. But guess what? We can all be married to Jesus. We can all become a, the part of the bride of Christ. Amen? But he says you will endure hardship. You therefore must... The word must there carries a sense of a requirement or a command, not a choice to be weighed, but a command to be obeyed. And he says, endure hardship. Timothy, what you're called to do is most is, is not unlike the military. Soldiers face hardship. They, they fight for their lives all day long. They endure hunger and cold, sleeping in foxholes, away from home and loved ones, exhausted and worn out, yet they endure, unable to quit. You can't quit in the middle of a war. If you do, it's called desertion and your own people shoot you. You can't quit in the middle of a war. You can't quit in the middle of a battle. And I want to say this. If you've been called by God, not only will you, can you not quit, you won't want to quit. And if you have a moment when you're feeling weak, you can't imagine doing anything else. Most of you know that I pastored that church in Santa Cruz for a long time. I was a youth pastor before that. And for a couple of years, I stepped aside to minister to my family. I want to tell you something. That was the ministry God had called for me. But woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. Amen? And when you have a gift and a calling on your life that you lose sleep if you're not, that's how you know someone's called. I never have to tell people who are called and remind them to show up. No real soldier, at least not a good one, ever gave up. They just don't. Because some hardship may come their way. Too focused on the life and death task at hand to be swayed by the temporal conditions or difficulties. In the same way, if a believer is not willing to endure hardship, they will never accomplish much for Jesus Christ. I have pastors who've called me. They're not going to open until next summer. I'm like, you just close that building down, bro. If you think you can just go without church for a year and a half, you've got to be kidding me. I don't understand that. I'm sorry. And pray for them. Amen? But I don't understand that. That's like a soldier taking a year and a half off in the middle of World War II. That's not going to work. We need to continue to be faithful. Amen? And the people are going to find a place where the Word of God's being taught. You know what? If you're not doing it for the Lord, you're going to give up as soon as something hard is required of you. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. We've got to die to our wants, our will, our desires, pick up the cross, and follow Jesus. But I want to tell you something. When you do that, you'll never be disappointed. I've never met anybody that surrendered their life to, to serve the Lord with their whole heart, then looked back and was disappointed that they did it. Think the Apostle Paul's bummed out in heaven? You know, I could have gotten, I could have had grandchildren, I could have. No, he was about it. And guys, when this time has come and passed, as I said, only what we've done for Christ will last. He doesn't exhort Timothy to be a common or ordinary soldier, but to be a good soldier. For all soldiers, all true soldiers may not be good soldiers. These are men who are, the, the, that are the good soldiers will be faithful even in the, when it gets tough. They won't quit. They'll press on. He was a good soldier, is the, is the bravest of the brave, courageous at all times, is zealous, whose duty, does his duty with heart and earnestness, recognizes that serving is a get-to, not a have-to. Verse 4, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. See, a good soldier must be focused on the task at hand. To be effective, he must be willing to detach himself from the things of civilian life. The task at hand must have its full attention and focus, or he will soon be a dead soldier. Amen? If a, if a soldier gets distracted, he becomes a dead soldier. And if someone who's called to ministry gets distracted and is tossed to and fro and has different priorities that they battle between, they will not last in ministry, as Christians, we must not allow temporal pursuits to take us away from our eternal calling. Nothing in this life can rise above God's calling and the promoting of the gospel. Nothing. There's nothing more important. There's nothing better. And again, there's no higher calling in this life. Now, everything we do in life, go to work, where we live, raise a family, all those things are important. But we can do all of those in the light of God's grace. Can I get an amen? 
We can do all of those recognizing that there's an opportunity in the midst of what we go about in our daily life to represent Christ and to represent him well and to point people to the truth. Guys, if you have joy when no one else does, you know what happens? People want to know why you do. Amen? Right now, our country is divided and our country is struggling and we need to be the ones that still have joy because our joy is not based on who's on the White House. Our joy is based on who's on the throne. And it's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can I get an amen? We vote, we vote biblically, we do all those things, but we trust in the sovereignty of God and we're never swayed no matter what goes on around us because God is in control and God is faithful, amen? And, and, the way, and who we are and how we live, like a soldier, we should, be, we should have eternity on our eyes if you're going to school, praise God, nothing wrong with it. Education's a good thing. But to recognize that even as you're being educated, that's your mission field. And what, God, what you're being taught will be, allow you to use that to minister to other people. Can I get an amen to that? So everything we do, let's do in light of scripture. If something I am doing which may not be wrong in interfering with your relationship with God, you need to let it go. If there's something else that becomes such a priority that you don't have time for the Lord You've got an idol that needs to die. Amen? Again, and, and I'm the wrong person to come up and tell me you're too busy because I just ain't buying it. I have a full-time job, and I pastor a church, and, every, and, and thousands of people have my phone number, and I'm available, and I, and I know it's nothing to do with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's amazing the energy level I have. I'm, all, I'm, I'm closing in on 60, and I have as much energy as I did when I was in my 20s, and I know that's the Lord. Amen? Amen? And so when God calls you, he will strengthen you to do it. Amen? He'll give you the strength to, to, to be available, to be usable for the kingdom of God. We're not tired, we're just lazy. Can I get an amen to that? May we not miss out on what is best, pursuing that which is good. Sometimes it's a good thing you're pursuing that has consumed your life to the point where you have no time for the Lord the Lord needs to come first. Those other things are fine, but put God above it. Otherwise, you have an idol. It says that we may please him. We enlist him as a soldier. Who do you live every day to please? We should live every day to please Jesus. Amen? And if I live to please Jesus, I'll be a blessing to my wife. I'll be a blessing to my kids and my grandkids. I'll be a blessing to you. I'll be a blessing to my boss at work. I'll be a blessing to my customers. You know, if you just seek after the Lord and make him the priority and passion of your life, you'll be a blessing to everyone around you. Can I get an amen to that? And you'll do your work in a way that honors God. You'll do your schoolwork in a way that honors God. You'll do your housework in a way that honors God. I mean, everything you do, you'll do to honor the Lord. And if we always want to honor the Lord, it will always be what's best. So as we walk in God's grace, it is his voice alone we should listen and respond to. Instead of taking orders from the world, listening to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, be strong in his grace. I was talking to a pastor recently that I just met, and he said, I, he goes, I know you Calvary guys teach verse by verse through the Bible, but I really like to, th to think about what my people need to hear. And then I do a series about what they need to hear. I say, you know what they need to hear? The Bible. The whole counsel of God. Paul said in Acts chapter 20, I'm innocent of the blood of all men, for I've not failed to declare to you the whole counsel of God. If you just teach a bunch of series, I promise you, you'll never get through the whole counsel of God. It's impossible. But guys, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we need to teach the whole counsel of God. So a good soldier, focus on the task at hand, not entangled with the things of the world, listening to the still small voice. An athlete, look what it says here. So if anyone competes in athletics... He is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Paul often drew upon the world of athletics for illustrating the Christian life. He mentions track and field. He mentions boxing and wrestling. And, and uh, wrestling, Lindley, it's in the Bible. <laughs> Greek games were huge in Paul's day and something to which all would easily relate. And the culture then was as much about athletics as it is today. And so when he talked about an athlete, he says he's not crowned unless he... Uh, competes according to the rules. Do you guys remember this? Some years ago in the Boston Marathon, a lady won the Boston Marathon and then somebody came forward and said they saw her on the subway during the race. She got off track, got on the subway, and then ran back onto the track some miles ahead, ran through the tape, 
got the thing, and then someone said, dude, I saw her on the subway. And now these witnesses come forward, she got disqualified. Think of 26 miles is easy if you only run three, right? And you know what? Your sin will find you out. Can I get an amen? Can you imagine she's on there with her little number on the subway, standing there, she gets off, gets back in the race. The reality is that a runner, the race is only won if we compete according to the rules. And what God has called us to do is to be men and women who live lives for his kingdom and for his glory. Someone cuts across the middle of the infield of somebody, uh, does something like that, they're disqualified. So too, we as Christians must compete according to the rules that are, again, to attain the prize. When we take court, uh, shortcuts, we will never win the prize. What's the rule? It's the word of God. We're to love our lives according to the word of God. Not haphazardly making up our own rules along the way, but purposely running con- when we purposely run contrary to the word of God, acting as if it don't, doesn't matter, God makes the rules for our lives because he loves us. Do you understand that? You've heard me say this before. Again, when you've been teaching 30-something years, you say things over. Amen? But the word of God and the commandments of God are not a wall to keep us out of Disneyland. It's a guardrail to keep us from driving off the cliff. Amen? Some people say, well, I don't want to become a Christian. Then I can't go have fun. Well, any fun that you think you're having contrary to the word of God isn't fun. It's destructive. Amen. And so he's keeping you from driving off the cliff. So the word of God is something that keeps us in the right lane. It keeps us where God wants us to be. It, t- it drives us in the direction that we'll, where our lives will bear fruit and where God will be glorified. And so as Christians, we need to run the race and run it well. And again, if we step outside of God's will, your sin will find you out. And what will happen is you'll lose the prize. Your testimony will be blown and you will be disqualified. It's so sad to see it happens often. It's most public when it happens to pastors, but it happens to all Christians. But pastors, you'll see them being used mildly by the Lord. And then it'll come out that they've taken money from the church or they've committed adultery, something. Those are usually the two big ones. And they get caught, in, and, and guess what? And now when you think of that person's name, you don't think of 40 years of ministry, you think of the failure. You don't remember how God used that person for decades, you just remember they were disqualified and why. And guys, I can think of nothing that would break my heart more than to do something that would disqualify me from doing what God has called me to do. And that should be our hearts as well, that we would not do something that would disqualify from what God has called us to do. Let's run the race. Let's run it well. Let's do it for the Lord. Let's run the race to win it, as the Bible tells us to. And let's do it in a way that obeys the rules that God has poured out for us. Let's run to win. Let's impact eternity and let's bring glory to his name. Finally, lastly, the farmer. Verse 6, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of his crops. Farming is hard work now. Imagine what farming was like 2,000 years ago. They weren't driving any tractors, right? They didn't have automatic sprinklers that just went on with a timer. Farmers 2,000 years ago were out there picking every rock out of the dirt by hand or using you know, shovels or whatever they had. And so being a farmer was hard, hard work. By the way, praise God for farmers. Can I get an amen to that? Go home and open your refrigerator and thank God for farmers. Amen? (laughs) Praise God for them. And you know what? The text could be arranged this way. Farmer must first be hardworking in order to partake of his crop. The emphasis here is on hard work. The teacher, the soldier, and the athlete all require hard work to be successful. And why indeed they are walking in God's grace. Know that though our works do not save us, they will be fruit of a faithful walk. It's not, you've heard me say this too. Faith, it's not faith or works or faith plus works. It's faith that works. Amen? Am I saved by faith or by works? No. (laughs) Am I saved by faith plus works? No. But if I've been saved by faith, there will be good works. Amen? Amen. By your fruit, they shall know you. So the only way the farmer eats is if he works hard. And the only way he gets to be the first one to partake of it is he must get up early and work and, and 
you know, toil in the soil and, and till it and plant it and water it and be patient and wait for it to grow. And if he doesn't do all those things, stuff doesn't come up out of the ground without his hard work. And the same is true some ways with our walk. Again, it's by grace we've been saved. It's a get to, not a have to. But earlier he said, or he says in this, cha- in this book, study to show yourself approved, a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I want to tell you, studying the Bible is a blessing and studying the Bible is hard work. Open up a chapter and read it and think you've got a 40-page uh, oral report due in two days graded by God. Go. <laughs> Amen? My kids used to complain about homework. I'm like, I got a 40-page oral report uh, due in two days graded by Almighty God. How about that? And guess what? You don't do that halfway. Can I get an amen? Everything we do for the Lord, we should do with excellence. Be prepared. The, the word there, hard work, means to toil to the point of exhaustion. When was the last time you studied the Bible until you were exhausted? He deserve, he's worthy of it, amen? And it's a get to, not a have to. To be faithful to your calling, it's going to require hard work. Christians faithful to your calling shouldn't see hard work as extraordinary but expected. Again, this last example, the farmer, unlike the soldier or the athlete or even the teacher, uh, there's no crowd cheering you on. There's no parades or medals when you're done. There's no heroes welcome or cheering crowds like the athlete who comes back with a medal or a, a soldier coming home from war. It can be tedious and boring and unexciting at moments. It's done in anonymity, but he must work hard just the same. Hard work often must be done in secret. But here's the good news. The reward will be given openly by God. He says, those of you who serve faithfully in secret, God will reward openly. A farmer takes hard work and patience, many months, fruits of labor. I've known people that they want to serve the Lord, but they're upset after a month if things haven't. You know, I've been teaching this Bible study at the school for a month, and there's only five kids. You mean you're teaching five kids and discipling them about Jesus? God bless you. Can I get an amen to that? We need to have the right priority. Hard work precedes success. Don't expect the ministry to be any different. Paul to Timothy, a pastor. I love this quote by David Guzik. God has no place for lazy ministers, and if you will not work hard, get out of the ministry. Amen and amen. I know guys who teach once a week, they're full-time pastors, and they say they're, they have a hard time uh, serving. I'm like, dude, really? You teach once a week, and it's your full-time job, and it's too much for you? You have L-A-Z-Y disease. Can I get an amen? <laughs> That's not working. Do you think the apostle Paul was lazy? Do you think any of the apostles were lazy? Do you think they sat around and did nothing for... No, guys, it's about... It's about the, now, again, I want to say when you serve the Lord, it's not drudgery. Some people picture Christianity that you wear a black robe with a board in your hand and you hit yourself every five feet. Whack, you know what I mean? And like, I'm doing this for the Lord, but I'm going to get heaven at the end. I want to tell you this, all this and heaven too. Amen? There's no better life than walking with Christ. Amen? No other life makes sense. There's nowhere else that you can have joy. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So apart from the Holy Spirit, it's impossible to have joy. Must be the first to partake of the crops. When Timothy had spiritual food to give to the congregation, he must eat of it first. He's saying the farmer has to work hard so he can feed himself. If he doesn't feed himself, he can't feed others. If you don't feed yourself, you'll have nothing to feed others. Does that make sense? I get Bible questions. I never know the answers. Spend more time in the word. Amen. Like a good farmer, any godly pastor will work hard, will patiently await the harvest, which rarely comes, uh, which really comes at the end of the age, not the end of the sermon. Amen. Finally, last verse, he says, remember that Jesus Christ, or, or verse seven, consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Timothy being instructed to see the importance of perseverance. The teacher who keeps their gifting to themselves will never see an impact on the lives of others. The soldier who stops fighting before the battle is finished will never see victory. The athlete who stops running before the race is over will never win the race. And the farmer who stops working before the harvest is complete will never see the fruit of the crops. If you're growing weary, if you've been serving in some way and you're weary and you're tired, Ask the Lord to give you the strength that you need to finish strong. Can I get an amen? 
My dad who's now in heaven, every time we would talk on the phone the last 15 years of his life, we talked on the phone often. I'd be driving between sales calls. I'd pick up the phone and call my dad who served as my assistant after being a pastor for over 50 years. And we'd always finish this, this, this statement the same way. Love you, dad. I love you, son. Let's finish strong. Amen? Hey, guys, we got a vapor of time to serve Jesus. Let's use it for his kingdom and for his glory. Again, when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. Our light affliction, which is for but a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He's sharing these words with a young Timothy, a younger Timothy, who could lose his life. And he exhorts him to continue to stay by the stuff, to continue to be faithful. Guys, our lives are not under threat, but we want to have an impact on eternity. Can I get an amen? So, be strong in the grace of, of Christ Jesus, how to persevere in face of great opposition. Again, learn from the examples of a teacher making disciple, giving ministry away. Be a soldier, focus on the task at hand, not being entangled with the things of this life. Like an athlete, running the race, being obedient to the rules. And like a farmer, hardworking and patient, faithfully serving in anonymity, anonymity and character is who we are when no one's watching. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for everyone who's here today. And Lord, I know it sounds like a heavy word, like there's a lot of the hard work, but Lord, we know that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And Lord, when you call us to do something, even though it can be time consuming, it takes effort, it's a joy, it's a get to, not a have to, because we get to serve you, because we get to follow you. So Lord, help us to be men and women who run the race well, men and women who disciple others, those that fight the good fight and don't give up. And those who are patient like a good farmer, knowing that in the end, it'll bear fruit. Lord, be glorified. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. let's stand.